the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It might have been the loss of a parent while you were very young. Maybe you have a dim memory of an event that you've struggled to keep hidden in a dark corner of your mind for all of your adult life. You struggle with lack of motivation at times, fear, bouts of depression. Maybe there are times that anger boils up to the surface to the point that you feel you can barely control the rage. You have a suspicion about what drives these moments of emotion and anger and frustration and fear, and yet you don't know what to do about it. You're terrified of the thought of sharing it for Perhaps someone else will think you're either lying or have lost your mind. And at times you feel as if every aspect of your life is gripped with fear and you are totally paralyzed. From a professional standpoint, you might be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, a phrase we hear quite often, and yet what does it exactly mean? How are people diagnosed with it? But most importantly, how do you escape from it? How do you deal with the reality of your past and break free from that to allow you to move on to finding peace and liberty in your life for perhaps the very first time? Joining me today in the studio, two authors. The book is called Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. With us is returning once again, Shelley Beach, a multiple award-winning co-author, and she's written, by the way, more than 15 books, and she's co-founder of the PTSDperspectives.org, providing consultation services on post-traumatic stress disorder in medical, mental health, educational, criminal justice, professional, and faith-based settings across the nation. Also joining her, a name that is certainly very well known to listeners of this program going back many, many years. In fact, you hear her name mentioned at the end of every program because we have to blame somebody. (laughs) Our producer, Wanda Sanchez. Wanda, in addition to being a book author, is the executive producer of this program and the executive publicist at WLS Communications, a public relations and media consulting communications firm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She also is the co-founder of PTSDperspectives.org. And ladies, welcome to the both of you. Thank you so much. Wanda, we're turning the (laughs) tables on you. Normally, you're bringing the guests in and you're worried about what the guests are going to do and coming back and saying, so how did it go? And today you get to be in the hot seat. I am in the... I'm the victim today. (laughs) (laughs) And Shelly, of course, has been a a dear friend for many years and a frequent guest on this program as well with many of the books that you have written. And it's great to have both of you join us to talk about a topic that, quite frankly, impacts the lives of more people than I guess most of us really realize, largely because many of the people that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, or the aftermath, I guess we'll call it, of bad things that happen in life, um, don't quite understand what it is. They don't know how to articulate it. They just know that they're not happy, they're frustrated, 
they're fearful, and it can run the gamut of impacting everything from your ability to go to work every day to your ability to carry on healthy relationships right. to even your ability to have a relationship with God. Yes. Absolutely. Let's talk a bit first, Wanda, about the purpose behind the book, the motivation. How did this come into being? Well, um, we, Shelly and I had um, become friends. Um, in a, it's kind of a long story, but uh, but it's Lifeline was like the reason we be, we met. I, I booked her for Lifeline for um, a series of interviews about caregiving. And during this time, we didn't really speak on the phone very much. Um, we did email. I tell her what time the next segment's going to be on. Anyway, through this little bit of communication, we became friends. And um, she was actually the one that ended up telling me that she thought she believed I had PTSD and that I perhaps needed to get some help. So after I did get – I'm skipping over a lot. But after I did get treatment, um, we were traveling and speaking um, about trauma, about PTSD, and about um, my, you know, the treatment that I went through. And not must, not – so much about the treatment, but about the results of the treatment. Um, and we were everywhere we went, everywhere we went, people were asking us, please write a book, please write a book, please, we need, we need to read what you have to say. You know, we would read it. And, um, and so listening to all those voices, we, we kind of knew we, we wanted to do that. Um, but we also knew that um, we wanted to try and be very, very careful um, because it could be, you know, a book that, that could um, – probably evoke or provoke some feelings you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we knew we were going to have to kind of find a balance there. There's that balance between addressing the issue and not creating a trigger point. Exactly. Uh, right. And I guess even for, for the potential reader to whom you were trying to give a sense of hope and reassurance. Right. And, and, and for a lot of people, the trauma of discovering that there's trauma Right. And maybe you can speak to that because there's that sense sometimes that we've gone through an experience that may be 10, 20, 30 years ago right. that we've spent such a lifetime trying to push down, ignore. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have taken blame for it. It might be a case of, of abuse or abandonment, variety of issues that happened maybe at childhood. Right. And a child can't process, can't understand, can't reason, well, right. daddy hits not because he hates me, but daddy hits because he has a drinking problem, and he has a drinking problem because his right. father had a drinking problem, right. and therefore right. that's all he knows yes. because the sins of the parents are visited upon the next generation. Right. A five-year-old can't understand that. Yes. So a five-year-old does what a five-year-old knows to do, and that mm-hmm. either is takes all the blame on, I must have been a bad boy or a bad mm-hmm. girl, or so stuffs it down. Mm-hmm that this unresolved issue and conflict and pain never gets addressed and yet manages to bubble its way to the surface in a lot of other ways. Right. Well, there, there's trauma in everybody's life, and there's there's little T trauma, you, you know, which are, you know, the painful things that happen, and then there's the big T trauma that actually disrupts the way the brain works. And trauma with a capital T is any event that overwhelms your brain's ability to function and work and it and it actually causes that fight or flight response and during that type of event uh, there's a chemical wash that comes over the brain and the dual brain function of the right and left hemispheres of the brain with the right side doing one one role and the left side doing another the right side is primarily creative and language and pictures and images and sights and sounds and scents and emotions. And then the left side of the brain doing linear function of putting things in time sequence 
and the more logical. Those two functions, which are always going on simultaneously, they get broken apart during a, a big T trauma, and you freeze. And um, so, the side, the yeah, side the linear shut side down. shuts down. And so what we're left with, with is a half-processed mm-hmm. experience. And so um, what we end up going through life with is coping mechanisms of how to deal with this mess that's in our brain because we end up with, um, with, with having all these triggers that cause this to replay over and over again. And unfortunately, the coping mechanisms are the behaviors that are commonly, you know, addictions or hoarding or, or um, avoidance or um, all kinds of acting out things that we feel so guilty about all of our lives. And we may have had from the time that we were small or obsessive compulsive disorder or all kinds of things. And sometimes we don't know why they're there. For instance, you may have had a medical experience when you were two or three years old that caused you to have this, this terrible traumatic medical response because, you know, PTSD is not just linked to abuse. It can be linked to medical experiences. It can be linked to being in a car accident. It can be linked to something that you saw or even experienced in the womb, believe it or not. So um, there are people who don't even recognize what's causing them to have certain patterns of behavior. And um, I had just been doing some investigation about PTSD because of things that were happening in my family to some of my family members and myself. I'd been um, sexually assaulted multiple, multiple times, plus I'd had other experiences that were traumatic, and I was trying to figure out whether or not anybody could, um, you know, find help. <laughs> and um, so that's why when I met Wanda, I had some recommendations for her regarding a place where she could go and not get counseling and not just go and talk about it, but go get um, treatment that would actually help address the PTSD itself. So, Is it important to make that connection to reconnect those dots because there is, as you say, a disconnect that becomes part of the coping mechanism. And sometimes enough time passes that even the acknowledgement as to what is actually behind the trigger. Yes. There might be other things that trigger, mm-hmm. but what's behind the trigger? Is it important yeah. to make yeah. that beginning, connection the beginning, middle, and end of the story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, like for me, uh, there was a gun put to my head, and um, one of, one of, in one of my assaults, there was a gun put to my head, and the man told me he was going to blow my head off and, and kill me um, if I didn't do what he told me to do. And I fought him, and so all during that time, I was waiting for the gun to go off and my brain to be blown off. I, my head to be blown off or whatever. So um, I I have a, a, a trigger response to loud noises. Um, a, a, a quite, a startle response. Quite, yeah, a startle mm-hmm. response. But until I understood where that came from, um, the startle response was much stronger than it is now. And it could, it could send me into um, a, a dissociation. Yeah. Into dissociation, yeah. yeah, where I would... I would startle, and then I would just kind of drift away and um, just kind of be in a dazed state of mind. That doesn't happen now. I'll, I'll startle, but I, I don't go away um, because I know what it is. I know what it's linked to, and I've had some trauma treatment. So. And so when you process a trauma, when you finally start to tell the truth mm-hmm. about the story, um, because, see um, – the, the, what what you have in your head, the, the memory or whatever's starting to come up for you, if it's not, if you don't have it all yet, you know, of, of why, or that's very important because tra- what trauma also does, because it shuts down one side and this side's going crazy, 
it just talks mess to you. Yeah. Lies, so it, lies, it talks lies. down to you. It never talks like, you're fabulously wonderful. No. It's, you know, you're stupid and you're ugly or whatever. It just picks up this... I don't even know how to how to explain that. You are you are ruined. You You're are ruined. you are trash. You are all these ter- so terrible things. So when you start to tell the truth to yourself about really what happened, you know that that this bad thing happened, but the bad thing isn't you, mm. right? You know the bad thing is not you. It's a bad thing, but that bad thing is not you. And you get to actually that's the truth. So when you mm-hmm. start to process, but you've never heard that. Because it's always been in your head. You never said it out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, so now the, the, the people that were helping me learn to do this, you know, were, were telling me, how, were showing me how to, um, how, to, how to process trauma without re-triggering myself. They didn't re-traumatize me. Um, there, is, there are ways to process trauma that are not painful, that don't have to take a million years, um, and, and, and that are successful. Let's talk about some of that when we come back after a brief timeout. With me today in studio, Shelley Beach and our producer, Wanda Sanchez. A look at love letters from the edge as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation on this edition of Lifeline. We have with us today in studio authors Shelley Beach and Wanda Sanchez. You say, I know those names. Well, you should. Um, Shelley has been a frequent guest on this program down through the years. And Wanda, of course, has been our producer for a week or two. A week 15, or two. 15, 20 years, something like that. We've been, on, we've been on the air 28 years, and I think mm-hmm. uh, certainly the lion's share of the 28 years. Together, they've written a new book called Love Letters from the Edge. It's released by Kriegel Publications, available usual suspects, Amazon. Amazon.com, also through the website ptsdperspectives.org. Wanda, just before the break, you were mentioning about the importance of truth-telling. Yes. So oftentimes in a traumatic experience, if it's one, for example, we have been on the receiving end of abuse, the perpetrator will tell lies. And those lies are a way to try and avoid the truth, dealing with their own truth. Yes. Stuffing things down to never have to be accountable for their actions. And then after a while, we begin to understand that if, you know, the lies sometimes are a part of that coping mechanism. And we know certainly from the spiritual dynamic here, one of the disconnects that I think we need to very importantly reconnect for somebody that is dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder is the fact that the originator of these lies is very Satan himself. That's absolutely right. And that's the the subtle thing is that while you're dealing with the big parts of the trauma, the accident or the, the sexual abuse, whatever, the the lies that have been laid every day really since that trauma, you know, they kind of get away if you're not looking for that. Right. And if you don't know that telling the truth is honestly going to be a way to find freedom, that's why so many programs don't don't really work. I mean, you know, um, they're dealing with the wrong things. We watch. Uh, have you ever seen Hoarders or mm-hmm. Celebrity Rehab or any of those things we've seen on TV where they clean you up, they take away the drugs, they clean get clean off alcohol, they they clean the house of the hoarder, they and then they go away. And this person who's left with no drugs, no alcohol, and a clean house, that's like. A worse. death sentence. They become worse. Yeah, of course. They they didn't deal with the trauma. Well, they didn't deal with what brought them there. So they're going to do it again. You know, it's good. they're going to end up right back there again. 
but had they processed the trauma of the of the person and that doesn't mean talk about it it means getting these two parts of the brain to work so stopping the cycle absolutely requires going back to what you were saying earlier Shelley and that is the the cognitive disconnect that happens as the coping mechanism at whatever yes. point the trauma is made and mm-hmm. i think it's right. important to point out this is not just for children right. this happens for adults as well mm-hmm. it is the chemical reaction it is the neurological reaction yes. it is the fallen nature sin reaction yes. then when we try to deal with the trauma apart with putting in perspective of god there's also that huge faith component because you are not when you are experiencing when you've experienced this big T trauma, especially if it's come through through sexual abuse or or if it's come through um, domestic violence or in your childhood having witnessed certain kinds of things or experienced them, you're not going to feel like the truth is true for you. Um, as Wanda put it, she was the asterisk in the Bible. All those things were true for everybody else, but they weren't true for her. Because that's the way your emotions are when when you feel um, when when you've experienced certain kinds of trauma. So you have to come to the point where you're willing to say, um, "I'm going to." Um, well, at one point, I said to her, "She was like, you know, I I don't have any faith. I don't I don't have any hope." And I said, "Well, I got a bucket. I'm going to carry it for you. And when you're ready to carry it for somebody else, you know, you you get the bucket back." Um, and that's the way it is sometimes with, with PTSD and trauma is that you you can't depend on your feelings and your emotions. And I would imagine, too, as much as I brought the God component into this conversation, that that can also be a double-edged sword in that you look at the imagery that we see through the church, throughout Scripture, Absolutely. our Heavenly Father, God the Father. Oh, yes. And yet, what do you do if a child, for example, comes home to a father every night who is abusive, who is an alcoholic? who you see slapping your mother around, drinking, beating the kids up, maybe engage Mm -hmm. in sexual abuse within the family, all of a sudden now your ability to relate to a loving, kind, grace-filled, heavenly father versus the mess of this guy. That's right. All of a sudden now that that picture is a difficult one to relate to because the loving father, you got to be kidding me. Right. I think the church needs to be speaking honestly and openly on these issues. We need to be talking about all mental health issues, honestly, from the top down. I'm so glad what uh, Rick and Kay Warren are doing at Saddleback and other churches following suit in talking about uh, mental illness. It's not a it's not a taboo subject, but often it's not discussed in in churches. To say that um, th- this is something that um, almost 10 percent of people who are sitting in our pews and in our congregations are struggling with with trauma and PTSD. If you do the math on, I don't know what size church people may be going to, but in my church, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And and they're struggling even with coming through the door and knowing where they can sit and feel safe. So so we need to confront these issues. We need to talk about them honestly and talk about the fact that you may have had that experience or are having that experience in your home. It hurts. But that's a lie and a deception. That's not That's not who God is. And that... God didn't perpetrate this abuse upon you either. Um, well, and not only is that not who God is, but as you mentioned a moment ago, Wanda, that's not who you are either. No, right. no, no, no. We, we tend to sometimes yes. in in this failed methodology of, of creating a coping mechanism to survive, 
we accept blame and take on blame and and reassign blame in so many ways that is so far disconnected from reality. Reality. Yes. And yet in the moment, well, that's all you know to do. Yes. And we we wanted this book to be kind of a safe place for not not just women, but it's probably primarily women because we tend to speak mostly in those settings and often in prison for for women to ask God tough questions. Where were you when I was being thrown down the basement stairs? Where were you when I lost my when I lost my child? Where were you when we all ask those questions? Sometimes we're afraid to say them out loud because we think that we insult God, but we don't. Um, and the book doesn't provide easy glib answers. What it does is it's like every every devotional is a letter from a woman who's or a person who's heartbroken in some circumstance to God, just pouring out her heart. It's like a, a prayer to God. And then the second half of each devotion is just a love letter back from God. Most of it's just um, straight scripture, just paraphrased a little bit. And they're not, they're not like I said, glib answers. They're um, just expressing the character of God and his love for us. In this truth-telling process, we'll call it, is it important to allow yourself to admit how you're feeling? And I ask that question because I would imagine a lot of people that have gone through post-traumatic stress disorder have spent such a long time trying to stuff it down, push it away, disconnect from the pain of it all, that not only is there a lot of deflection and denial going on, but even to admit I'm angry at God. Yes. Even to admit, you know what? I go to church every day and I smile and I put on Mm -hmm. a cheery face, but that's not how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, for instance, there are statistics that demonstrate the the trauma that is associated with the loss of children before birth, so for miscarriage and those kinds of things. Yeah, that's that's often diminished in our culture, and it's just like, well, you can try again, or oh, you already have two children at home, or whatever. But even in a situation, we need to have the opportunity for people to grieve, for us to inventory our losses. Sometimes when somebody has extreme abusive experiences, you will grow up and achieve adulthood having missed out on many things. And you need to be able to look back and grieve and say, honestly, this is what I have lost. And to be able to to be in that place and, and speak honestly with God and even with other people about. Because, you know, God can take it. He knows already, you know. And so uh, that was always where I, I, I was. I was I wouldn't talk to anyone because I was ashamed of the way I, was, I felt because I felt deeply disappointed in God. And, but on the other hand, I also have a very deep faith. And that's like my, the most important thing in my life, you know, so – it was a very confusing time and place for me. Um, it's funny how we'll get shut down by shame. Mm-hmm. And yet the first example we see of that is the parents, so to speak, of yeah. humankind. Yep. Good old Adam and Eve. And they tried to hide their <laughs> yeah. shame. Yep. And yet God fully knew. Yep. God mm-hmm. knew. Let's pause on that point. We're going to come back to more of our conversation. Shelley Beach and Wanda Sanchez in studio. Love letters from the edge as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. We have in studio with us today the producer of Lifeline, Wanda Sanchez, along with her co-author, Shelley Beach. The book is called Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. 
you were mentioning, Shelley, before the break about the importance of taking time to grieve. Mm-hmm. To even acknowledge a sense of loss is something that oftentimes is part of that disconnect that prohibits healing from happening. And I think a lot of it goes back to the sense that we're, we're so used to being on the stage performing to get through in life because, after all, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I pastor a church. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I wasn't raised like that. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And yet those feelings are real, and the loss is real, and yet it's almost as if a parent or a loved one passes away. We do no funeral no memorial service. Mm-hmm. We don't post a notice in the newspaper. We don't have a grave to go and put flowers at. There's never any sense of acknowledgement. Right. And lacking acknowledgement, there's no way that you can ever get a sense of closure about that. Right. So is it true with trauma as well that there's just this huge disconnect? Yes. Because sometimes the grief of the lost innocence of childhood or, or whatever it might be is just unacknowledged. And there are so many facets and layers to that. I mean, the book gives you opportun- gives the reader opportunity to journal about some of those things. But even like, um, just I'll just bring this up because there are so many women that I know who struggle with this. But for instance, um, women who've had a, a sexual assault or, or multiple sexual assaults, whether they be same sex or, or the opposite sex or whatever, um, that will affect your marriage. That will definitely affect your marriage and intimacy. But yet it's I've never heard it addressed from the pulpit. I've never heard any pastor preach about That's it. True. Even pa- even in churches where I've been where they talk about um, intimacy and marriage and sex and marriage, I've never really heard that issue talked about. And yet, yet 25% of women will experience a sexual assault at some point in their life. So it, it there is a loss there that is going to affect women just in that in that sense and in so many other senses let's say your parents were incarcerated um there are going to be things that you're going to lo- who's coming to your concerts who's going to your baseball games you know who's teaching you certain things you know um there are layers of loss that are there who uh, were your siblings separated were they together um, and and those some of those things she just said, if they're happening to you, you as a kid, you that you feel double failure, double everything. If you if you're torn away from your family, then you're torn away from your siblings, then you're put in a place that, you know, it's called something like the home for unwanted children. What a great name, huh? <laughs> you know, then you're just like you have more stuff. You know, you're you're responsible for the failure of your family, and you know. Even if you're only six. Well, not only does this paint then a bleak picture in terms of being able to address your past, your history, but makes your future look pretty bleak too, doesn't it? I mean, in other words, if you come through that kind of environment, you've never seen a healthy marriage modeled. You don't know what it looks like for dad to come home and mom to say, honey, I missed you. Give me a big kiss. Dinner's waiting. The kids are here. You've never seen that. Now you move on and you eventually get married because that's what adults do. Yes. But you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like because there never was one in your past. And so therefore, there'll never be one in your future either because you don't know how to behave. Right. Right. And and just in... Just in the health realm, I just want to touch on this because so many people don't know, Kaiser Permanente did a a study on adverse childhood effects, and they they laid out 10 different adverse childhood experiences 
that you could have when you're young. Like uh, if there was substance abuse in the home, if there was a parental separation or divorce, mental illness, uh, uh, if the mother was beaten or, or abused, there was criminal behavior in the home or psychological abuse, physical abuse, emotional neglect, or physical neglect. So those are kind of the 10 categories. And then they developed a scale, and they did a longitudinal study over a period of many, 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 many years. And they said, basically, if you experience four of those in your lifetime, 25 years off your life, equates to 25 years off your life. Just the sheer stress. Just the sheer stress. And what it does to your immune system what it does to um, it, it, what that where it puts you in terms of risk of heart heart disease, um, stroke, diabetes, every other thing. So I know many many people who fall into the categories here of of all ten mm-hmm. or nine multiple times. You know, I might I myself have just experienced a few of these, but I've experienced them multiple times. Um, so just the just the physical effects. Of what is happening, and we we wanted to write the book because a lot of people don't know why they feel a certain way or why they can't get out of the cycle. Um, one of the words that Wanda used was stuck. She felt mm-hmm. stuck, and um, when we talk about this, wherever we are in churches, or people are almost standing up and going, I never knew, I never knew. And this will give resources in the back just about PTSD, but it gives hope about the fact that you can be healed and. Comfort from God. Comfort from God. (laughs) And I would suspect that many eavesdropping on this conversation right now are also having that aha moment Mm -hmm. with a spouse or a a loved one or a child. We have spoken in places, many conferences, where literally parents are standing up. She said that on purpose because standing up in the middle of a speaking and crying, saying, thank you. Thank you finally for the first time. And, you know. That happened a they few times. The, the lights connection. go on. It's awesome when the lights go on. You know, your 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 husband is cranky, seems to get angry over mm-hmm. the most yes. minuscule Rage. things. Mm-hmm. Dinner is five minutes late. The potatoes were not hot enough, you know? Yep, that's true. And mm-hmm. flies into this rage and, okay, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. There is an overreaction here. What is going on? Right. Mm-hmm. And neither you nor your spouse understand the impact of events that have happened so far back that has now built up and built up, and it's layer upon layer of anger and resentment and And mistrust. If I can mention, there's also – we know these people actually personally – and there are many more. Again, we've run into people in conferences that have said, oh, my goodness, that happened to me or my son or whatever. Medical trauma. Pre-verbal medical trauma. Uh, Over 30 years ago when um, babies would have surgery, 35 years ago, 40, doctors for some reason did not believe babies could feel pain. So guess what? Babies had surgery without anesthetic back then. So we know someone that had had been removed from his mother at birth and flown to a hospital and had, um, what is it called? An esophageal fistula. So something here, he had to have multiple surgeries over, like in a few days' time. Bless his little heart, all that without anesthesia. Didn't know any of this. Did, no, no one had a clue. So years later, he's 20 years old. He's never been able to, to keep himself together. His parents and the rest, his other siblings are perfectly fine, wonderful Christian home. This kid never, he just could not ever 
cope. He'd been diagnosed with ADHD and every other thing that you could be diagnosed with as a child, you know, because of performance totally issues. Totally not social. He ended up as a young man, 21, 22 years old, as a shepherd at a monastery because they thought, well, maybe he could handle the sheep, you know. Couldn't. Whatever happened, he didn't. it didn't help him there. The monastery actually said, you got to take your son when he's very sick. They ended up saying, we don't know what's wrong with him. It took him to this place that I went. That's how we found out about it. And which is not, it's not even in existence anymore uh, as a clinic, so we're not trying to push the clinic. Um, but he went in, they just started talking to him about just everything, you know. Do you remember anything from your birth? They go back and they talk to him about his, his trauma, not even knowing anything about, they certainly didn't know, the mother and the son, that it was going to be something like, you know. But he started to identify familiar things about the surgeries. And the feelings, and you know what? In five days, this man was set free from a lifetime of craziness. It was his story that prompted me um, to recommend the treatment center that Wanda went to, which I've got to tell you, on day three, I there was a whole new person who walked out of that, that place. It was phenomenal, the changes that I saw. But um, the the treatment that that treatment center offered is still available and now they're tra- doing online training for therapists and also you can go online and just as a person a lay person it's very right brain orient- oriented a lot of writing a lot of art a lot of um you know accessing the right brain and getting it hooked back up with the left side and that's and not um, something that you necessarily need to go to a clinic for you can do that yourself yeah, there are a lot of things. I, Do we have to give ourselves permission, though, to understand that it takes time to unwind yes, this absolutely. big ball It's a ball of yarn, yep. <laughs> yes. That we have gone through this yeah. years yes. ago, that we have been coping with it in the only way that we knew how. Yep. Maybe we didn't yes. even realize that we were coping with it. We Most were just trying don't know. to yeah. survive. And now to come back out of it, this is not as if and – I, and I say this because I'm going to get in trouble with some listeners here, but why not? <laughs> people say, well, I, but I went to church and I, and I prayed and I accepted people Jesus and me. I read right. the Bible and I, people have prayed from The pastor came and anointed me with oil and right. why am I still feeling like this? And we feel as if somehow we're looking for a spiritual answer. one quick flip a switch answer right. that – fails to recognize the cumulative impact right. of the years of the trauma itself, of the coping mechanisms yes. that have failed us. Yes. Of an adrenal system that got totally destroyed and is now it's the adrenal system is I don't have one. So destroyed, <laughs> yeah, that it affects every really? area of the body. Let's pause for a moment. We're going to come back to more of our conversation. Some closing comments. Shelley Beach, Wanda Sanchez, Love Letters from the Edge, information about the book at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. With me today in studio, the executive producer of Lifeline, Wanda Sanchez. She and her co-author, Shelley Beach. A new book out called Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. Newly released by Kriegel Publications. You can get more information about the book online at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. The big question for many who at a level know I have problems with relationships. I feel trapped sometimes. There are days that when night comes, I'm terrified. 
For other people, when day comes, they're terrified. Mm -hmm. I know there's something going on here, and I've tried the self-talk, and much of it is all negative and reinforcement of all the lies. Where do I start? The big question for everybody who in the course of our conversation here today has said, aha, uh-huh, that's me you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's my husband you're talking about. You just described my daughter. Mm-hmm. How do we start this process of healing? Well, first of all, let me just say that there is the most, I don't know if you've looked at it, the most amazing back section of this book. Lots of resources. Lots of resources. One that addresses that question in particular, exactly. where do so, I start? We wanted this book to be a resource for people who just don't know what to do and where to go. So we included resources in the back, um, places that treat trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, um, all kinds of questions about the basics of PTSD and trauma, and what do I do, where do I start. Um, I think the most important thing is just to sit down and, and kind of inventory your life. Have you experienced those big T traumas in your life, and have you seen some of the symptoms and Wanda, just talk about and, some of the symptoms of PTSD. And also, I was going to add to that, uh, have a friend that you trust. Yes. Someone that you trust, because it's not going to be fun or easy uh, doing it all by yourself. And it's not even actually recommended. You can, but it, the whole thing is to try and, you know, not do the same things you've always done, which is mostly probably be solitary and, you know. And, and so. let me jump in here and get in trouble again. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't always necessarily mean running to your pastor. Oh, no, no, no. And I say that with all the love in my heart. Yes, absolutely. Most pastors are ill-equipped for any of this. Sadly, yes, that's true. Sometimes pastor will say, well, let's just pray about it. And we'll bring it up in prayer at church on Sunday that re-traumatizes the individual. So I'm not saying if your church has facilities – Right. People, right. Right. ministries that specifically deal and speak to this, right. yay! Absolutely. Yes. And if they not, if they don't, just be cautious. Right. Be cautious. And there are there is help out there. There is help out there. And we again we give a lot of that in the book. Yes. Oh, what was that? What question was I? <laughs> well, I just wanted to comment on the fact that I'm a di- diabetic. I also have multiple sclerosis, and I go to specialists in multiple sclerosis and diabetes. I've had brain surgery. I had a doctor who was a specialist, a neurosurgeon who did my brain surgery, and my um, my mental health is an area that deals with my brain, and my brain um, responds based on chemicals. And electrical responses, and and there's a biochemistry element there that is part of PTSD and trauma and mental health. And so I have utmost respect for my pastor, and I've talked to him about all kinds of issues, including this. But when it comes to treatment, I need to go to someone who understands my brain just the way my medical specialists understand the rest of my organs in my body. Yeah, people seem to forget that, you know— it's a muscle, you know, and it's just like if I hurt any other muscle, it's, it's not any different than being treated by that doctor for that muscle. So there you know? are, very complex and, organ. And, and as you mentioned here from the very get-go, there are intellectual aspects of this. There yes. are emotional aspects yes. of this. There are definitely spiritual, um, aspects. spiritual aspects of this, Absolutely. to be sure. There's also um, physiological aspects right. of this 
that gets into, as you said before, the endorphins mm-hmm. that come from the body's attempt to try to deal with the trauma in the moment Absolutely. and all of that stuff. Now, all of a sudden, we've moved from talking to our priest or our pastor to talking to our medical doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I want to mention about the book, so that people are not scared off, this is not a clinical book in the sense that you're thinking, oh, my God, 500 pages, and it's written by a professor, and this is very (laughs) difficult. This book is very approachable, and it's written in bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. so that you can come to it. Don't feel like you've got to write 50 pages to get through the first chapter. No, no, no. You can work through this page by page, segment by segment, and if you say, gee, you know – I have all these questions. It's not just about finding the answers, but I have all these questions, and I don't know where to begin. I don't know what questions to ask. The book helps you do that, too. That's true. And the book also, I think most importantly, helps you get reengaged with the truth-telling, Wanda, that you were talking about earlier, and directly with the one who is capable of doing the most about it, from whom we are typically the most disconnected, and that is God himself. Absolutely. And if you say, as sometimes people that have gone through traumatic experiences do, is that I am so frustrated here. You say, pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't Mm -hmm. know where to begin. Right. 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 This book can help you reignite your prayer life, that communication with God in very honest ways truth-telling ways. Right. And Wanda, you said it earlier, we deny it all the time, but God's got big shoulders. He can handle he it all. Can, absolutely. And that was my, again, another thing that held me back from just tell, just telling the truth, you know. And when I was able just to say it out loud and, and how I felt about it, when they say truth will set you free, they are not kidding. Mm. For the, I had never experienced that before. But that's when I started to sleep through the night, and I didn't even know that. I didn't see the results as quickly as she did. People often think that if they, if, they, if they speak this out loud, they're going to relive the trauma, and therefore they're making things worse by speaking the truth. In reality, continuing with the lie or continuing mm-hmm. to stuff it down, mm-hmm. that's what's creating remember, the problem. You don't have to speak the trauma. You have to speak the truth. You mm-hmm. never have to talk about the trauma ever again to recover from it. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it doesn't have anything to do with talking about it, and that's why a lot of people go through life spending 25 years in traditional therapy mm-hmm. and then 10 days and then 10 days in a setting of not really having to talk or cry or forgive. This has nothing to do with any of that. It's just about brain work, engaging the left and the right side of the brain. That allows me then to go, oh, God, you're not that big, mean, ugly. That, it kind of clears my vision. Mm-hmm. One thing that you we know. haven't touched on that, that I want to have you both address The central focus of the Christian message, of course, is forgiveness, reconciliation with God. And we see so much talked about in Scripture about God forgiving us, the work of Christ on the cross, that God might forgive us, that we should not carry aught against another, but we should forgive. I've looked. I don't see any passages that teach me how to forgive myself. And if I've spent a lifetime blaming myself and accepting the lies— Wow, how do I do that? How do I forgive myself? Well, there's silence here, so I'll <laughs> fill still it. trying to learn that one. But. I'll fill it. I think, well, I think it's a lifetime job. Yeah. I think that because I think that's the one greatest way that Satan wants to defeat us and beat us up. Um, and so every day 
my ability to forgive myself rests in the fact that I trust that I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am, and what he sees me to be, because I, I see imperfection. I see that I fail. But I don't have to strive. I just have to every day give up. Get, I get up to, to, to glorify God that day. And um, I have to believe that I am, I am that, that perfect daughter, that, that beautiful daughter of Christ, because Jesus died for me. And I'm not going to diminish what he did by wasting my time you know, living in shame or with guilt. And, and so, what a relief it can be to finally come to that point, to be able to rest in that point, saying, you know, I've spent an entire lifetime compensating by trying to be perfect, trying to not make mistakes. And yet when I make them, then I beat myself up even more because that, that compensatory methodology is not working suddenly mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And to realize, guess what? And God sees you in all your imperfection too. And mm-hmm. he has provided a means by which you get to get off the hook. Yeah. Yep. You're no That's longer right. responsible. And I think maybe as we – to maybe in part answer my own question, we begin to understand more about – forgiving ourselves as we draw closer to beginning to understand God's desire and willingness Mm -hmm. to forgive us. It's not just that through Christ we can have forgiveness as an experience, but that the whole purpose of Christ's death on the cross was to have that available to us and experiencing that grace and being able to apply that grace of what he has shown toward us and say, wow, if he's let me off the hook, mm-hmm. if he's forgiven me, then it's got to be a lot easier job for me to do than I ever right. imagined. And, and that's a particular place of, of battle right there, too. Because once you, lo- once you understand <laughs> that, you know, Satan, the blowhard, doesn't really have anything that he can hold over your head, mm-hmm. he doesn't want you to get that message. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> you know, so, so that's a hard place to get to. But once you understand... That that's that the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's glorious! That, that liberation yeah. is oh, one that it, it's it's. There's you never, not you never any stop other celebrating that, no. do you? No, yeah. you really don't. That's right. Nope. The yeah. book is a good place to start, and as Wanda has mentioned, there are tons of resources available inside of the book. There are also tons of resources available at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. That long journey begins with the first step, as all do. And so I hope in what you've heard today, either for yourself or for a loved one, that you or you can encourage them to take that first step on the road to healing and restoration and experience and wholeness. And if you've spent a lifetime convincing yourself you're not worthy, I think from what you've heard from both Shelley and Wanda today, the good news is, oh, yes, you absolutely are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. Again, more information about the book and many of the resources that we've discussed today, available on the web at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. I want to thank both of our guests for being with us today. And uh, Wanda, go produce a radio show, would you? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Thanks again. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.